This is episode number 17 with Mr. Don Yeager. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Hey, all you beautiful greats out there. Thanks so much for tuning in today and listening to this episode. It's going to be a fantastic one because I've got my good friend, Mr. Don Yeager on. And yes, Don is a true champion. And before I introduce our fantastic guest today, I want to do the quote of the day. I said I was going to start doing the quote every time we do a new episode. So I've got a cool quote today that I like, and it's from Muhammad Ali, a man that's known for greatness. He said, I hated every minute of training, but I said, don't quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. Now, this is uh, perfect for me because I am one week away from the national championship tournament for team handball. And for those who have been checking in on me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, I've been posting pictures and talking about this. I moved to New York City a couple years ago, about a year and a half ago, to learn a new sport, an Olympic sport called team handball. And uh, now I've got an opportunity to compete in the national championships. I'm on the USA national team, but I'll tell you what, practicing on the weekends and late nights on the weekdays is not fun. It's never been a lot of fun, you know, having to, to sacrifice, giving up a lot of your free time to do something you really want to do. But the journey is fun. And it's given me an amazing opportunity to achieve my dreams and go after my dreams. So I am pumped. I'm super pumped. It's in Reno next week, uh, three-day tournament, hopefully bringing home the national championship for New York City team handball. Big shout out to my, my teammates. And we've got a great guest today. I am super pumped. He is in the house today with me. His name is Mr. Don Yeager. He's got a book out called Greatness. The 16 Characteristics of True Champions, and he is going to unleash something about greatness that you probably didn't even think about. He's going to tell you his definition and tell you some of his top 16 characteristics of what it means to achieve greatness. Now, Don Yeager is an amazing individual, awesome guy. And just an inspiration to me. I've known him for a couple of years. Mostly just we've had a phone interaction and email interaction. But finally, get to see him in the flesh today. Super pumped. And for those that know, do not know who Don Yeager is, he is a seven-time New York Times bestselling author. Now, that's seven different books. In my mind, getting one book as a New York Times bestseller would be pretty cool. But he's done it seven different times. And he's going to talk a little bit about what he's done to achieve that. He was also a longtime associate editor for Sports Illustrated. He's been on Oprah. He's been everywhere. He's hangs out with the top athletes in the world. He interviews them. He writes books with them. So he gets to dive in behind the mindset of what the greatest champions of our time, uh, how they think, how they act, how they live, how they breathe, what they eat, who they hang out with. And he's going to share exactly what it takes to be great on this episode today. So I am super pumped because he's an awesome guy. He's going to share with you some great stuff. Now, I want to give a quick shout out to the review of the week 
from uh, my friend Dan, and uh, his his iTunes handle is Kai Card AD One or Kai Card Dad One, whichever one you want to say. He says, "Thanks for the inspiration. I enjoy your work. Great people become great by hard work and applying correct principles." Thank you for introducing me to great people and allowing me to learn from them. So I appreciate it, Dan, for that. You are correct. I think that when you have mentors, people that can teach you some things, uh, that's the way you're going to become great. And you're going to learn some great things about that from our guest today, Mr. Don Yeager. I'm super pumped about that. Also, everyone, keep uh, posting on Instagram or on Twitter or on Facebook where you are listening to these episodes all over the world. We had, uh, who did I see today on Instagram? In front of the Sydney Opera House, I saw Ralph Cui. I think the last name you say is Cui. Ralph Cui posted a pic saying he was listening to the episodes uh, while he was in front of the Sydney Opera House. Pretty cool. Someone else was in the gym today I saw on Instagram and tagged me and said they were listening to it while they were working out, getting pumped up. Someone else was in the car. So go ahead and post a picture of where you are listening to this in the world Tag me on Instagram or on Twitter and say hi. I would love to see what you guys are up to. And with that, guys, let's jump into this week's episode with my good friend, Mr. Don Yeager. How's it going, Don? I am exceptional, Lewis. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> now, Don just flew in from uh, Florida, right? You're yeah from Florida. You're here speaking at UCLA. We were going to do this podcast over Skype or the phone the other day, but then I realized you were flying here, and I was like, let's just meet up in person. Right. Awesome. So I'm glad we got to hang out in my in apartment studio. And uh, for those that don't know Don, we connected probably about two, three years ago, wouldn't you say? Yep. All right, and you actually emailed me when we first connected, right? I did, absolutely. Very fascinated by what you do. I appreciate it. And I remember um, getting the email from you and being extremely excited because I went to your website and I saw that you'd written like four New York Times bestsellers at that time, I think. Now uh, you've written six or seven? Seven. Uh, seven New York Times. Uh, I don't know anyone else who's written seven New York Times bestsellers. Well, actually, I got, a, I, I got a, um, a really nice letter from uh, the book, um, re- book editor at the New York Times who actually told me that fewer than 50 people in the history of the New York Times list uh, have written seven on the nonfiction list. So wow. it's kind of a kind of a pretty awesome uh, – I, I don't know who the others are, but I'm sure there are a lot of really <laughs> extraordinary people, and, then, there, and then there's me. 50 is still a lot of people. I would not think that many people have done it. Yeah. Seven New York Times bestsellers. It's pretty impressive. You also worked at – you were the associate editor at Sports Illustrated for a number of years, correct? I was, absolutely, 12 years. And you were in newspapers and media before then, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So you've had an amazing career. And what inspired you after working at Sports Illustrated to then go into the book world and start interviewing these amazing athletes? You did Walter Payton's, uh, but you lived with him for a I while, lived right? lived with Walter for the last 10 weeks of his life. Yeah. It's amazing. So I had actually written uh, three books before I went to work at Sports Illustrated. Okay. Uh, in fact, it was one of those books that, that I think caught Sports Illustrated's attention and um, you know, there's only, there's, there's not that many writers for Sports Illustrated in the whole world. So to be able to, to join their staff and to be a full-time employee and, um, to actually get a chance to, to participate in that community, which was mm-hmm. really incredible, right? That's just some of the best, right. most amazing writers I've ever been in in my life, uh, was it, was a great gift. So, yeah. um, the best sports writers in the world, basically, yeah, right? They really yeah. were, they really are. And, um, and so anyway, I had done three books before I got to, to SI full-time and, 
Um, and then I, I joined the staff, was there 12 years. And during that time, wrote a handful of other books. And, and then five years ago, got a chance to retire and um, do an early early buyout. And um, I um, was just, I, I was smitten with the idea of writing one or two books a year if I could. And right. helping incredible people tell their stories. And then I, I wanted, as you know, to get out and get the chance to speak more and yeah. more often to corporate, uh, to mostly corporate events. Right, right, right. Now, who was the, what was the first story you thought about writing about? Or who was there an athlete that really inspired you that you wanted to share their story? Or was that Walter or was it someone else? Well, Walter, uh, yeah, Walter was my first kind of really interesting breakout book when it came to that. Um, I, I was, uh, I was already at Sports Illustrated. I'd met him a few years earlier and, and he, he had, he was ill. Um, right. he knew that he was, um, going to die. Uh, I did not and nor, nor did the public. He, he had been taken from the organ donor list and mm. he needed a new liver and he would take it from the list because the, the, the disease in his liver had progressed right. to the stage that a new liver would no longer save him. And so he was looking to hire a writer and he'd interviewed several, um, didn't really click apparently with, with, with those he interviewed. And, and then one, one day I was on Oprah, um, and I was wow. in Chicago to be on Oprah. And the next day when he saw me on Oprah, um, he kind of remembered our interaction, but beyond that, he also, just saw, I guess, something in me that he liked. And it was enough that he said, would you come be the guy? Wow. And um, so I flew to Chicago and, and spent much of that last 10 weeks of his life with him, which was uh, really incredible. Did you know he was going to pass away eventually? He told, me, he told me that first day that I was there. Wow. He said, look, I'm, you know, I, I invited you here because this is, not, you know, it's over. And wow. I don't know what that, in fact, you know, there's this long pause because I didn't know how do you react. How do you, you're, he's my hero, right? <laughs> yeah, he, was my, right. he was 46 years old. He was amazing. Jeez. And, um, and he looks at me and he says, you know, I mean, I, I'm no longer on the list. And, mm. um, and I had this long, I mean, what, I didn't know what to say. And Walter ultimately he looked at me and he goes, so I hope you can write fast. Oh my I mean, gosh. He was just trying to make me laugh because he knew right. I was in this awkward state. And that was right. just Walter. He wanted to make you feel comfortable, um, wow. in his presence. And, um, so I did. I, uh, I jumped in with both feet, basically moved to, moved to Chicago and stayed at his home and with him four with him or five and, hours a day, basically. Uh, as much time, however long he was lucid every day, mm. I was spending time with him wow. and it was really, uh, it was incredible. I mean, it was, um, he believed in me in, in ways I wasn't sure I believed in me at the time. Sure. Gave me an opportunity that was a game changer. Um, uh, I mean, to this day, I have athletes who, um, who say to me that part of the reason they want to talk to me about doing their telling their story is because they they worship Walter and if wow. Walter trusted me then they can trust me. Amazing, amazing. It's amazing how sometimes uh, one interaction like that can can really help turn the spark a career basically, right? Yeah. yeah, can change the trajectory of your life. Now, did you know you only had ten weeks, or was it kind of like no? We had no idea. You thought I mean, maybe literally it could six have been months to a year potentially. Uh, yeah, or, I mean, I I I, asked, I I thought based upon what he had shared with me that he probably had three to five months, you know, um, uh, and did not expect it to happen as quickly as it did. Wow. So it's crazy. The really, the really kind of interesting thing about it was he was such an amazing guy and, but he, and he had a daughter, Brittany, who was 13 at the time. Um, she's on your speaker reel. Yeah. She she's so amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she actually, she's just getting, she's getting married this summer. Wow. Just got an invitation to her wedding and, uh, all excited about getting a chance to go there. But, you know, at the time there were lots that there were a lot, there were many things that Walter wanted to share with her that he couldn't because mm. she was 13 and he just couldn't say it. 
so interestingly, it became this, this relationship where he would say them to me, knowing wow. that at the right and appropriate time, I would say them to her. So I've had this wonderful relationship, wonderful relationship with both of her, both of his children um, over the years. Uh, I was just with both of them actually a couple of weeks ago in Chicago. Wow. And um, I just, I love their family. I love what they yeah. stand for. And I love what they're all about. And Walter, Walter was incredible. And it was, a, it was um, on, on, a, on a million levels, it was one of the great gifts ever given to me in my life. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, you've interviewed hundreds of athletes, I'm assuming, right? Throughout writing and through books and things like that. But who was the most inspiring athlete you've ever interviewed or written about? Um, inspiring, uh, maybe it would, <clears throat> I don't know if I would say athlete, uh, but athlete slash coach John Wooden, mm. um, had the chance to work with coach Wooden for the last 12 years of his life. And while he was, uh, um, he actually became a mentor. We actually entered wow. into a relationship where every other month for 12 years, I flew out here to Southern California wow. to spend the day learning from coach. And he won the what, 12 national championships? He won t- 10 national championships in 12 years. Unbelievable. And, um, anyway, in those, in those years, all, all those hours of time sitting there interviewing, talking, learning, mentoring. Um, I mean, John Wood just inspired me on, on, uh, to, to do things that I didn't believe I was capable of either. Yeah. Um, so that's the, that's the amazing thing about finding the right people in your life. And that was really one of Coach Wood's most important lessons is that you will, he used to say to me, he said, you will never outperform your inner circle. You want to know what your capacity for greatness is, mm-hmm. what your capacity for success is? Look at the people you have around you because mm-hmm. you'll never outperform them. And if you want to achieve at a higher level, improve your inner circle. Yeah, that's interesting. And um, it really is a, it's a great challenge. I, I find myself <laughs> all the time thinking about my circle. Who's in it? Who, who should be in it? And whether wow. or not some people... Maybe need to have a different spot in the uh, in in the circle. So, what do you do if you've been you know had friends you've had in the circle for years that you're like, okay, this no longer is serving me or helping me become a better person? Cut that relationship off? Uh, no, I, I don't, you don't necessarily have to cut people off because some of the people, for example, that I had to make decisions on related to my circle are family members. Yeah, right. And you can't you, bad attitudes. You can't, or, you yeah. can't get rid of a family member, right? <laughs> Let's be honest. So, uh, but what I what I would do is I just realize you know what rather than the amount of time I was allotting every week to conversation there, maybe it's maybe it's half that. Cut it back. And what happens mm-hmm. with that other time? I'm finding people, you know, that are. I, you just you have to you have to govern who you put in that mm-hmm. circle, and and it's it's one of those places where your decision making will impact you greatly. And Coach Wooden, you know, one day said to me, "You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future." Oh my gosh! And uh, what a yeah, what really. a quote. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you think about that and you start thinking about your friends, right? <laughs> wow, that's impressive. Didn't he have the, the like pyramid of success? Or the he did. Triangle he of success? A, a, he built a pyramid of success in 1914. Oh, uh, my gosh. Uh, and uh, he, um, you know, for many years just would, would go on to kind of be able to share it with, um, uh, excuse me, 1934. Uh, but he would go on and, and, you know, he would share this pyramid of success with uh-huh. people for many years and, uh, and you know, I love it because you and I talk about greatness a uh-huh. lot. I mean, the, the top block on his pyramid was everything is built around getting to what he called competitive greatness mm. and competitive greatness is your ability to be your very best when your best is needed. And that's awesome. Mm. Right. I mean, everything, everything we do should be about, you know, whether it's preparation or friendships or, you know, um, or, or development of skill sets or whatever. 
everything should be built about getting us to the place where uh, where we're we're there to do our very best when our best is needed. When it matters. Yeah. When the pressure's on, five seconds left. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Or when the you know when the when the business meeting requires yeah. us to suddenly change the trajectory because it's going south and we can all feel it. Yep. And uh, and who's going to step in and be your very best when that moment's needed? Exactly. The great ones, the great ones have that capacity. What was his book called again? Uh, well, he had he had several of them. I wrote one with him called "A Game Plan for Life." Didn't he have one that was like a blue book or something? Yeah, he did. Wooden on leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, really, um, really incredible. But. Uh, now you wrote a book with him. I wrote a book with him. Have you wrote? Have you thought about writing a book like Lessons from Wooden? No, that could no, be I've actually twelve yeah. years working with him. Yeah, I, I mean, really, I kind of wrapped a lot of that up in that because the book that we did together was really around mentoring. Gotcha. Because he was a mentor to me. Sure. And so the first half of the book were was a look at the mentors of his life, the people who had made him who he was. And the back half were people whose whose lives he had changed by mentoring them. So uh, you start getting that concept. You start thinking about the pay it forward nature of yeah. mentoring, of true mentoring, right? Right. Um, and and I learned a lot about mentoring because I used to think it was showing up at a school and, you know, taking a volunteer arrangement. Sure. Uh, but that's not really mentoring. I mean, it's nice, and that is nice, and that's a good program. But mentoring is really about living a good life. Mm-hmm. If you live a good life, people will notice. Yeah. Not one-on-one mentoring, but mentoring to the masses. Really. You don't have to, right? Right. And there's this, uh, there's a commercial been on TV for a couple of years that I've always loved, and I think of Coach Wooden every time I see it. Where you watch, uh, you know, a guy's getting off a bus and he's getting ready to step into traffic, and somebody pulls him back, right. and you know, and then later that day, that guy who is, you know, notices somebody in a wheelchair trying to get across a curb, and you know, if you really try to, if you realize what life is about, it's about a series of pay-it-forward opportunities, right. and um, and mentoring is the ultimate one. Now, how important is mentoring to achieving greatness? For I think it's mass. I think it's. It, I don't think you can achieve greatness without without a mentor. without mentors and without the willingness to mentor others. Mm. Again, I think great. I think there's a two way street there. Yeah, like you have to say, um, who is it that's gonna you know whose whose collective experience and and uh, uh, and mind am I gonna tap into, and then who who am I gonna give to? Sure, right? sure. Yeah, mentoring has been a big part of my you know success as an athlete and in business after i retired i didn't know clue what i was doing but i reached out to a few key men- people who became mentors and that's really helped shape my business mindset and my attitude towards business so without mentors for me i know i'd be pretty screwed and you know that's kind of that's really neat you you said something really important there that almost gets passed over sometimes when you say it because it's so casual mm-hmm. you reached out yeah. To them. They're not coming See, to me. The bottom line is, yeah. <laughs> and most of us want a mentoring relationship or we, we long for one, but we don't do what we have to do. Yeah. And it's our job. If we want to learn from somebody, it's our job to ask. Yeah. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host 
And if the mentor says, I want to mentor you, that's probably actually not going to get the best <laughs> result. Even if the, the mentee is like, okay, cool, let's do this. I think the mentee has to really approach the mentor. And then my job when we had this relationship with Coach Wooden was every time I showed up, I had to come well prepared. Mm. He used to say to me, the, the first time you come in and you're not well prepared, the first time you come in and what you really want are autographs or pictures, it's the last time you get invited. Wow. So my job is, you know, if I knew that, so I had to come up with a lesson plan. Wow. Every time I showed, I had to come up with a plan of what I intended to learn that day. Huh. And then it was my job, my job to ask him questions and draw from him the expertise of an amazing lifetime. It's not his job to teach you everything you knew and just no. say, here's what you should do. Right. You need I to, had to draw it out. Seek it out. Which meant that every time I had to think what would be some really, what's some, what's something, some nugget that I want to learn? Sure. Could it be, uh, could it be, hey coach, how do you keep the 13th guy on your roster? The guy that's never going to play. <laughs> right. How do you keep that guy engaged every day? Motivated. How do you keep him motivated and encouraging? And, and how do you keep him from becoming a cancer when he knows he's never going to play? Mm. And so to do that, I would, I would prepare myself by going through his rosters and identifying the 13th guy on every team so that I could ask him specifically, Hey, how did you forgive me for doing this? But how, how did you do that with old Lewis? Right, right, you know? right. I mean, old Lewis at the end of the bench house, how did you, how would you have kept, how did you keep him engaged? Right. So I could ask him specifically and he could tell me about activities and exercises right. and things that he would do that right. allowed these conversations to become enormously personal and meaningful. Let's switch on to athletes. You've interviewed some great athletes. Who are who are who is one of the most inspiring athletes? Uh, you know, I, I know there are a lot of people that kind of go different. I'm Michael Jordan. Every time I get a chance to kind of be with him and in conversation with him, he to me is uh, uh, his ability to um, mentally uh, change the game mm. um, is inspiring to me. Uh, you know, yes, he had physical gifts, uh, but he wasn't the first player chosen in the draft. Right. He didn't make his high school team as a sophomore. I mean, there's a million right. stories out there where, and Jordan points to all of them. Right. You know, as, as what he calls, you know, logs on his fire. Right. Things, you know, that he, that he holds on to. And, and we all have them. Heck, I, I mean, I don't know about you. I have a little, I have a little editorial that, that hangs on my computer. I mean, this editorial was written 20 years ago by a newspaper. Um, in Las Vegas that was criticizing me for, for something that I, you know, for, for a project I had written, uh-huh. um, you know, and it was, it was wrong and, and it bothered me for the longest time. But today I hold on to it. It's, it's a log on my fire. Sure. It reminds sure. me that, that for all that I, you know, you can look and you can go, wow, what a, what a, what a graced life you've lived. No, I've had moments. Right. right? right we right. all have. Yeah. And the truly great ones use those moments to do something special. And Michael Jordan is, uh, is to me as as uh, incredible as anybody. How often do you get to ha- to spend time with him? Uh, about eight or nine times a year. Really? Yeah. yeah. Where? So, just golf tournaments. I mean, I was just <laughs> with him a couple of weeks ago in Las Vegas wow. at his at his, um, at his event, and uh, you know, um, working on a book with him right now because wow. of his power and his passion for Make a Wish, the Make a Wish Foundation, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, it's I, I would say he's a guy that I would that I find. Uh, extraordinarily inspiring. And why is he the best basketball player, arguably, arguably that's ever lived? Well, there was the combination of you know his his ability to um, to be his best when his best was needed, mm-hmm. right? But there was also that he had a mental strength um, and an ability to 
I mean, as almost all great athletes do, an, an ability to intimidate others mm. just by his presence. Mm. And, uh, and there's something about that. I mean, you know, and we all know those people. We know those people who walk in the room and everybody, everybody takes notice. Right, right. Michael Jordan was that guy. And I, I, I enjoy trying to get inside the mind of people like that, trying sure. to understand what, uh, what makes people like that tick. Now, how do athletes or anyone in business or life get to the point of becoming their best when their best need is needed? What does someone do to get, to achieve that, to learn those lessons, those skills? Well, first, I, th- I think the first thing that's important, and you said it there too, is that you can't, these are learnable skills, uh-huh. right? Most, you know, a lot of people love to think, oh, well, that just was all natural. No, right. it wasn't. No, I'm sorry. You know not. what? Uh, you know, natural does happen for, to a, to a, to a degree. And, and, and there is skill set. Like, I can't play in the NBA, though I'd love to. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to play in the NBA. My skill set won't, won't allow it. Yeah. So, um, that's not going to happen. But beyond that, you know, there are a lot. I mean, what people have done with their skill set is what's so impressive. Sure. So it's a, an understanding of, of preparation. It's an understanding of what you have to do, you know, what you can, and, and, and controlling what you can control. You know, that's what too yeah. many, so many people Coach are focused on, <laughs> foc- so many people are focused on what they can't control. Right. Right. They're, right. they're been out of shape about a referee or a call or a, or this or that or, a, you know, focus on what you can control. Uh-huh. That's, that's one of the, one of the most important characteristics. Um, secondly, I think you, you look at it and, um, most great winners that I would, would answer that question by saying they, they at some stage learned how to hate losing more than they love winning. Mm. They expected to win. Right? Winning didn't give them the thrill. Sometimes it gives other people. Right. Losing. They hated it. Losing more. hurts. They hated losing more than they liked to win. Right. They hate losing more than they love winning. And how do you grow to learn? How do you learn to do that? Remember, learnable. We're going to talk about learning here. How do you learn to do that? You take excuses off the table. See, because if you can make an excuse every time something doesn't go your way, and by the way, you'll never learn from that. You will never, because it's not your fault. Right. Oh, it's the ref's fault. It's this fault. It's the other teammates' fault. Right. Yeah. It's, you blame it on somebody. Right. As long as you blame it on somebody, you will not learn. Mike Jordan, again, great example. He and I are in this conversation about this subject. He had a great line. He said, a loss is not a failure until you make an excuse. Huh. And when you make an excuse, and suddenly, you know, guess what? You, you're, you're, you've just taken yourself right out of a loss is not a failure until you make an excuse. So what is it if it's not a failure? It's a learning experience? It's a learning experience. Yeah. Absolutely. A loss is a learning experience until you make an excuse. And then when you make an excuse, oh, by the way, then, then, you've, then you've lost every, any value in it. Wow. This is amazing. Well, Jordan's lost a ton. That's one of it's one of my favorite quotes from him. You know, I missed more than three thousand right. shots. You've seen it. We've all read that's it. That's great. You know, and he said, I, "I've succeeded because I failed." Yeah, and, uh, and that's exactly right. So the truly great ones get that. Now there have to be some people that have the same mindsets and probably better athletes than Jordan out there. I mean, LeBron James is probably a better athlete. Absolutely. So he's certainly more physically gifted. More physically gifted. Maybe he's not a better basketball player, but he's a better athlete. Do you think athleticism can beat? You know, amazing athleticism can be great athleticism with an average mindset. I, I think you know, I understand your question, and I think it's I, I think sometimes, but not over the long haul. Uh-huh. Right, not over the long haul. I think if you are um, not over seven game series, over and, seven game yeah. series, or over a lifetime, basically, yeah. right? I mean, if you if you were to be, uh, you know, if you were to have amazing athletics, uh, amazing skill set in anything, in yeah. anything. But you're not willing to do the little things, the hard right. work, the, the preparation, the pieces that, that kind of grow to allowing you to be successful. If you're not willing to do those little things, 
um, then at, at a certain stage, someone will figure out your skill. Yeah. Right. People always do. You get in your head. You won't be strong enough mentally right. or whatever it may be. Yeah. People figure out your skill. Interesting. So what is the difference between one and two then? The best in the world from the second best in the world? Well, you know, from a practical standpoint, mm-hmm. it can be, it, it can be nothing. You know, I mean, it can literally, you look at Olympic events, right? Where the difference between first and second is, is, is such a, Tenth of a second or a hundredth of a second. One one thousandth of a second. I mean, you know, sometimes right. the difference between the two of them and sometimes the difference between first and fourth is, right. you know, <laughs> one, tenth. Uh, one tenth of a second, right? Yeah. And you, uh, so you're, you either win the gold or you win nothing. And it's, and, and, and it's that Gosh. fraction, right? And it could have just been that day. Uh, yeah. Or it could have just been whatever. I get. Right. Or no excuses, right? Exactly. Or you can say it could have just been that I didn't, I didn't do what I should have done. Right. So I think the difference between the first and second on a on a more on a less practical stamp uh, over time less, over time is uh, a commitment, okay. an understanding um, that uh, that you got to do the little you got to do common things uncommonly well. That's what most people don't want to do huh. the common things, right? They don't want to do the they don't want to do the things that 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 make um, that that make you successful in any business. If you're a you're an insurance salesperson. You know that if you make a certain number of phone calls every week, you have a better chance of success than if you make half that many phone calls every week. Right. The truly great ones make the number, right? They mm-hmm. they are committed to the common things, phone calls. And they're consistent, and right? And they're consistent. Over they do time. them uncommonly well, yeah. right? And um, that, to me, is a real – is a that, I think, has a huge difference between one and two. Interesting. Your you a recent book. I don't know if it's your last book, but one. It's called I think Sixteen Characteristics of Greatness, right? Yeah. Yep. I I've spent the last twenty five years kind of asking these great winners um, a single question, which is if you could pick a characteristic, something that separated you from your 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 peer or your competitor, something that allowed you to go from good to great and stay there. Mm. What would that characteristic be? And so, what this book is, it's kind of a collection of the most most uh, the answers that come up most often. 16 common themes. When those, when those great winners are asked that question. Interesting. And, uh, was... Well, number one is we just talked about it. Hate to lose more than you love to win. Uh, number two is they understand the value. They understand they're only as good as their inner circle. That they'll never outperform mm. their inner circle. That lesson from Coach Wooden. Um, you know, so there's, they're, and they're really not in order. I mean, I don't sure, want to, sure. I don't want anyone to think. Yeah. But number one is the answer that comes up most often. But it's not that number sixteen is the answer comes at least. least. You're right. It's just that they all play into um, you know how they live, how they think, how they work, mm. how they prepare. It's a total package. It's not just one thing. You've got to do all the different things right in order to achieve greatness, and you got to be very disciplined. Yeah. In fact, I, I say all the time that you know to me, um, the one thing about greatness, and I don't know about you as you use the phrase, but the one thing that's interesting to me is that um, you know it's sometimes it's it's harder to it's harder to define greatness than to achieve it, right? Right. <laughs> so, so it really comes down to my definition of greatness as I write in my book, and yours might be different than mine. But as mine goes, um, you know, one of the most important things is your ability to be well-rounded. That you're, you know, you may be able to win fourteen, uh, uh, fourteen major golf tournaments uh, in your lifetime, but uh, if the rest of your life's a disaster, then you're a good golfer. You're you're a great golfer, right? Or you're still a good golfer. I think you're a good golfer, uh-huh. but you're not a great. Because again, I reserve great for the for for the, someone that's got the package all around in life, right? And um, I like that you definition. Know, uh, so I I look at people. I mean, you know, I've I've met a few. I, I've met a few in my lifetime who mm. 
who have been so extraordinary in one thing that you, that most people would, if you just wanted to focus on that gift, you'd go, wow, that's incredible. But then you meet, meet them and you spend time with them and you realize that they're a train wreck in so many other parts of their life that, that the greatness is not really the phrase you'd use for anything At else. Least in for life. Me. Right. Interesting. Now you're not referring to someone specific right now, are you? Um, I, <laughs> Gol- no, I mean, golfing. just, uh, well, golfing. Yeah. I was clearly referring to, uh, to Tiger Woods, sure. but you know, so I would think you consider him an, a good golfer then. I think Tiger's a good golfer. Yeah. He's yeah. not a great golfer. You know, again, I use the word great. Sure. A great, great to me has, has a, has a, has a more well-rounded, um, you know, has more well-rounded approach to it. I yeah. think, uh, you know, so I, and, and I guess, uh, so I'm not actually defining great golfer. I'm right, thinking right. great person. person, great, great, um, uh, I'm thinking greatness and I don't, yeah. and I don't put Tiger Total in that category. Package. He's Total not package. that. So, and, and you know what? One day he might be one of my favorite quotes of all time. As you know, every every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. And uh, there you go. So I'm I'm Time real careful. Tell. I do not. Uh, I don't sit in judgment of people based upon a history. Right. I do want to judge them on what they're doing today. And so, steps they're taking. And the know. steps they're taking to it. We should all have a future. Right? Yeah. And we've all made mistakes and messed up. Uh, trust me, I've, I've been there, baby. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. I did an episode previously where, and I've mentioned this a few times, where. I've been trying to figure out what's more powerful for athletes to believe fully in themselves or to believe in their faith or God and which one gives them the upper, the upper hand, I guess, when they're competing. So we talk about, I've talked about the power of belief before. I had David Anderson out here who played wide receiver for the Houston Texans and he's also caught for Tim Tebow a bunch of times. And he said it was amazing to see, you know, the power of his belief in his faith. And there's other guys. Who would I think of like? Meta world peace, maybe, or someone like that in the past where they've all they talk about is themselves. They're very self-centered and egotistical and think that they have the gift. Either way, I heard this in some interview at some point that, um, you know, the best have a belief in something, whether it's their faith or themselves. They believe so strong in that that you can't break it. Is that, do you feel like that's true? Absolutely. Or it's yeah. actually on um, my little list of characteristics of great winners. It's at the very top. Um, okay. it's, it's near the very top, but, um, but I actually believe that it's the ability to, um, it's, it's your ability to, to have a sense of a higher power. I don't think it's really, yeah. So I don't, I think it's, I think it's innate. If you have all these other things working, a sense of self confidence will come with that, right? Uh-huh. Because you have a peace. There's a sure. peace that comes with, 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 um, uh, and, 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 and from peace grows self confidence. But I, I will tell you that to me, when I look at, those who I would put in this category, extraordinary, great people, faith, not always worn on their sleeve like Tim Tebow, you know, but faith in a higher power. It doesn't have to be my faith. It doesn't have to be religion. It doesn't have to be what I believe, uh-huh. right? But they believe something out there is bigger than them, right? Right, right. And I think it's that's created important. created them has, right, yes. has, a, has a role in, in their lives that's bigger than they are. Interesting. Because I think if... You know, if we become too self-absorbed, if we're too, um, if that self-confidence becomes self-absorption, yes, uh, we believe we're the center of the universe. You know what? It doesn't take long for that to crash down so around you. You may be able to get to the top, but it's not going to stay at the it's top. It's not sustainable. Yeah. Right? And again, back to my definition of greatness, sure. it's about sustainability. It's about being being able to get someplace, stay someplace where most people can't even get there. Right. 
What do you think is the biggest thing holding people back from greatness? Is it doubt or fear or is it something else? I honestly, I think the greatest thing holding most people back from fear or from, from greatness is their ability to, um, to, to understand that it, that, that it's available to them, that they're, that it's capable. They don't most know people, it's available. Most people believe that that's reserved for somebody else, right? They have a belief that they have a sense that they are, um, uh, that somehow they're not worthy. You know, and, and I say this as a guy who thinks about that that all the time, right? I think about it all the time. I struggle with worthiness all the time. (laughs) I look all the time at what I get to do and I think, man, am I really deserving of this? I'm hanging out with Michael Jordan every other month. I'm doing, you know, coach, you know, you're sitting and going, am I worthy? And Mm. so I get it. I get totally that it's a struggle for most people because I struggle with it. And each and every time I do that, I have to go back to an understanding that, this was made available to me because I did other things right. Right. Just keep doing the other things right, mm. and it will continue to be available to me. So, so how does someone get over that fear, that you know, that concern that I'm not good enough? Just as I do, yeah. right? Just as I do. Say to yourself, uh, you, you know, make it a make it a point to yourself. You know what? I'm here because I did things to get me here. Right. To stay here, I got to continue to do those things. And what if they haven't even gotten? Above average. You know what? Uh, and, but see, to me, uh, greatness is also one of those things that it's, it's, um, uh, it's different for each of us. Yeah. Right. It's true. You know, my greatness is different than Michael Jordan's. It's true. Mine's different from yours. Right. But if we're working toward it, and I also, uh, you know, again, a lot of this sounds so ethereal, which is kind of crazy because <laughs> I'm not an ethereal kind of guy. Right. I'm a, I'm a, I want to see something. I want to reach <laughs> out and try to grab it. Right. I want, yeah. I want to hold a trophy when it's over. Right, kind right, of thing. Right. But to me, this understanding of, of, of greatness, it, it's not really attainable. Mm. You'll never really get there because mm. if you do, it's over. It's the right? pursuit of it. It's the pursuit it's of it. It's the journey. Right. It's Vince Lombardi once said that, you know, greatness is not attainable, but, but in the pursuit of it, you can achieve excellence. That's great. And, um, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm about that. I'm about the pursuit of greatness mm. in, in the hopes of excellence. Interesting. Now, have you ever thought about being a coach? No, no, no. I, I work with my four-year-old son's t-ball team, and that's about as <laughs> that's, about, I, that's about as much as I can work on right there. I, I don't know. I, I I can't imagine. No, with all those lessons you've learned, you don't think you could make a great team out of it? I don't know. I don't know. It's not, it's, not really, it's not one of those places I've, I've I've let myself wonder. I mean, I do. You know, my for me, it's really kind of more corporate coaching sure, now. Sure, I mean, sure. I do. I do end up with a lot of corporate relationships where. Right companies engage me to do more than than a keynote i mean to actually stay involved and and do monthly webinars you and i were talking about sure. that yesterday or sure. you know kind of bringing on some other lessons so my coaching is more on the corporate side than on athletic this is just as useful um interesting now what um who's the one athlete that you'd like to write for or about that you haven't yet the person you want to meet someone's story that's Exceptional. Derek Jeter. Hmm. I'm fascinated by his ability to play at the highest level in the highest media market in the, in the United States, in the world. That much really, pressure. That much pressure to consistently be not just a top flight athlete, but a, but a pretty extraordinary human being sure. by all accounts of everybody I've ever, I, I know who knows him, right? And I've, I've interviewed him a couple times, but not, you know, not in anything other than Small group settings. So, um, I 
marvel at him. Mm. I marvel at his ability to do wow. that. And again, to have, uh, to just, just consistently, consistently, um, do it and without, uh, without anybody being able to kind of be mer- be Smirch's character, which to me, you know, I'm not even a Yankees guy. I don't, but again, right. I'm not a big fan of any team. I, I really enjoy people. I yeah. root for, I root for people. Yeah. And, um, and Derek Jeter's one of those guys I'll always root for. Wow. I hope he comes back and I hope he's healthy and I hope, I hope he gets to end it on his terms. Sure. Cause you and I both know that in athletics, that doesn't happen often enough. Right. What's your, we only got, we got a few minutes left, but what's your thoughts on Kobe and his injury? Do you think he's able to come back and achieve the same level of greatness or is he kind of, I think, I think that injury at his age tough. is really difficult. And I think, um, and you just, you hate that it happened in the, in the most common of, mm. of moves, you know, just it wasn't landing. Even, Right. Yeah, whatever yeah, happened. Just to take, just to take off. I mean, he was just literally, you know, making a, making a quick jab step yeah. to the basket and boom, gone. I, I mean, our bodies are, our bodies fail us. I understand that, baby. <laughs> wow. Crazy. Well, what's next for you then? What's, what do you got going on? So finishing, uh, finishing this book with the Make a Wish Foundation, wow. which is really incredible. Sitting down with the top 25 athletes who grant wishes to children. Wow. Um, it's been incredible. Michael Phelps, uh, Tony Hawk, um, Michael Jordan, uh, Michael Jordan. So you get to interview uh, all these guys. Uh, everyone. I'm sitting down one by one and talking to them about what wish they granted most affected them. What wow. wish they granted most changed them, which is really incredible. Book comes out this fall. It's called Wish Granted. And, uh, it's really awesome. Every dollar in the book, uh, goes to the Make a Wish Foundation. Wow. And, uh, so it's a big, big deal. Really exciting. So that'll be, that'll be number eight in New York Times. I summer. hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I would hate to think that it doesn't make it because it should. Wow. And then I've, uh, and then I've just agreed to do my first big non-sports book, uh, which is, uh, with the, with Stephen R. Covey. His family wow. uh, invited me to write really? his autobiography. So very excited by that. Looking wow. forward to telling the, the life story of one of the uh, most amazing non-sports men I've ever gotten a chance to meet. Well, that's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, right? Yeah, that's I mean, him. Which is... 41 million books that guy yes. sold. He understands. Uh, he's, he's a brand. That seems like it's a perfect fit for you with, you know, your greatness book and, and writing that. So. Well, and he was a big fan of Coach Wood, and so I think that had a lot to do with why yeah, I got this chance. I actually got to hear him speak one time at a Tony Robbins event back when I was like 16 in St. Louis. He spoke and... Very inspiring. Uh, very powerful message from absolutely. on stage. Completely. That's very cool. Well, where can people find you online, Don? Uh, com. D-O-N-Y-A-E-G-E-R.com. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not as linked or as, <laughs> uh, as Twitter savvy or Facebook love as you, it. but I'm trying. You're using it. I see you out there. You've got a great newsletter that I read every time you send it out. Thank you. Yeah, we Make do that sure once to a sign month. up for Don's newsletter and we uh, actually if they go to that website we actually do i've been i've been collecting uh, great quotes as you've heard me use a few yes. of them here and so i send out a quote every morning yep. um to uh i don't know how many there's many there's 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 several thousand people that get it every morning which sure. is kind of neat it's a great way to kind of stay involved with uh yeah. with a community of people that kind of are looking for a little inspiration so if any of your listeners are there would love to share a quote with them every go day sign up at don's site and check them out look for his new books and i uh, appreciate you don thanks so much dude thank you to recognize. And there you guys have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode with my good man, Mr. Don Yeager. And make sure to please head over to schoolofgreatness.com to check out all the different show notes. I'm going to be linking up all the things we talked about here today. You'll be able to check out Don's site. 
You'll be able to connect with him on Twitter and Facebook and all that other good stuff. And even go see him speak. I encourage you to go check him out and hear him speak in person. Very inspirational guy. And uh, you're going you're gonna to hear about him for a long time coming. I'm assure you to see even a few more, maybe five or ten more books that he's going to write, which will be New York Times bestsellers. With that, guys, if you enjoyed this episode, again, please share this on Facebook, on Twitter, tag it on Instagram, whatever you want to do, schoolofgreatness.com. Leave us your honest reviews over on iTunes, and uh, maybe we'll give you a quick shout-out for the review of the week. With that, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and remember to make sure and do something great. I began to recognize... 